Hello, 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 hello. Welcome to the 31st edition of Where They At. My name is Nabate Isles, and it's always a pleasure to talk with legendary figures in their particular sports, people that have paid the way for the excellence of sports as we know it. This episode is no different. And before I introduce this gentleman, I want to let you know to please make sure you subscribe and or follow Where They At on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, etc. Just make sure you support uh, subscribe and or follow and rate the show as well just to give me that support and and i thank all of you for the support as well it's been a great run starting this podcast back in december 2019 so now introducing this gentleman he was a major factor for spearheading a renaissance in florida state football as his team started a 14-year streak of top five finishes for 14 straight seasons and 10-plus wins. He went on to excel with the Green Bay Packers for all 12 years of his NFL career and was a major contributor to another renaissance with the Packer organization because we all know they were great in the 60s, but he led a greatness in the 90s with this team as the Packers won Super Bowl 31 in the 1996 NFL season. And they made the big game the following season as well. Four-time NFL All-Pro and Pro Bowler, member of the Packers Hall of Fame, and a member of the 1990s NFL All-Decade team at the safety position. Finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2020, and he'll eventually get in. There's no question about it, because he was the first player to ever have 20 sacks and 20 interceptions in a career. So there's no doubt he'll be in. And also, most importantly, the creator of the Lambeau Leap, great popular celebration that really caught on as the years went on. It is my pleasure to introduce the great Mr. Leroy Butler on Where They At. How you doing, sir? I'm doing very well. I'm very privileged to be on your show. And I like the fact that you started your own podcast. I love that. I oh, do. thank you, sir. Thank you. It's so important because I, I, I respect history and I respect talking with people like yourself. And, and it's so important to, to really recognize the, the people that paved the way, for sure. Yeah, and I also like, now I try to advocate to other athletes to do some podcasts like yours, not only the big people. I like people on that grind. And and that that what really pushes me. And I have to apologize because I get, I do get a lot of requests and I was like, wait a minute. I told my sister, I say, get back to that brother. I got to make that work. And she's oh, like, okay, wow. no problem, we'll make it work. So we made it work. So God is good. Oh, wow. God is good. And I thank you for the time because I want to let you know too, I'm a big Florida State fan and you and Deion Sanders are the reason why I became a Florida <laughs> State fan. Real talk. So it's an honor for me to have you. <laughs> yes, sir. So, wow. So, how was your family doing uh, in the midst of these trying times with the COVID pandemic and everything, you know, and, and the conflict going on in this country? How's, how are you doing? How's everyone doing? Everyone's healthy? Yeah, um, I, have, I have six daughters. Wow. wow. Uh, and a son. Uh-huh. So, but for us, it was, it was actually pretty good because the quarantine, when it happened, you know, we have uh, two teenagers living at the house with me and my wife, Genesis, and the other girls are grown. Mm-hmm. They live in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, your hometown. Yes, sir. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, so everybody was doing well. I did a new granddaughter in April, and I was a little ah, worried about it, but my daughter, Gabrielle, had uh, Dakota. Wow. Oh. Uh, five grandbabies now. So 
once you go through all that, it is a little, but at the same time, you know, we never, because the girls got a lot of schedules going on. Even my son, <clears throat> excuse me, has a tight schedule. They do mm -hmm. all kinds of events and they do all kinds of activities. So when that was shut down, we very rarely, maybe once or twice a week, we all eat together. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But when that was going on, we ate together every night, and it was fun. Yes, yes. I do all the cooking in the house. I, I have an agreement with my wife. <laughs> I'll do all the cooking, cleaning, pay all the bills, buy all the clothes, everything. All the domestic chores, just keep the kids away from me. <laughs> I don't want to deal with no problems. Because they're girls, and they always got something going on. I don't want to deal yeah, with Chatty, chatty. Right. <laughs> I want to just cook clean and have a peaceful life now my son's different but he's my favorite so whatever he got going on that's me and him yeah but i thought it was great you know it was great none of the girls got sick uh, oh. but, uh two of the, my, the two teenagers one is going to be a senior next year and one's a sophomore going to be a junior uh. going to school for them they understood it I didn't want my kids to play the victim. Oh, we can't go to school. We can't see our friends. My friend can't graduate. My niece couldn't have a graduation. I said, listen, I had to explain to them. And I think some parents sometimes, certain subjects you don't really want to touch. Yeah. I sat them down and explained to them what is a pandemic, you know, what is COVID-19, you know, yes. and what is the coronavirus? Because they thought it was two different things. I said, no, it's the same. Mm -hmm. It was a scientific word and a word that people can understand. And they understood that, that, you know, as we do this you know, podcast now, over 165,000 people passed away. And they understood also the underlining conditions because they were like, what is that? I said, well, you got diabetes, heart disease, breast cancer, you know, colon cancer. You really need to make sure you take care of yourself because if you get it, you may not come out of it like some other people. Yeah. Once I explained to them, I didn't hear every day about going back to school, about seeing their friends, about going places. They were understood that this is real life stuff. Yes. And it's something yes, new sir. for everybody. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, everything was great. Yes. No, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. And, and I know with them having to go back to school, I mean, that's not a safe situation. And I told my kids they ain't going to school unless mm -hmm. they can tell me that they can keep them safe. And plus, they already don't pay teachers enough anyway. So, you, I mean, I just don't understand how you could put these teachers in these kind of positions if you're not going to make it safe for them. You yes. Know, bigger classrooms. Get them the funding that they need mm -hmm. you know, to put up plexiglass or give them masks every single day or test them every single I mean, yes. month. Wednesday and Friday, so they'll know, you know, how I'm doing. I mean, and communicate with the parent through texting, mm -hmm. videos, or whatever. Mm -hmm. now, it, until you see that kind of stuff, the politicians, because this is a this is a, a election year, they can say what they want, but parents are not going to send their kids back until they feel comfortable. And the liability, mm -hmm. if one of your your kids get sick, I mean, you know, people are going to start suing the school. Yep. So they figure all that out before they can have these kids rush back into school. So, but my, I think my son who is special needs is different from him because he can't really social distance because he has to have a special needs teacher with him. That hasn't been explained. So they haven't explained the social needs department, but at the same time, he's going to open school up virtually. He's gotten used to it. Mm -hmm. So he's seeing to like I'm doing an interview, 
he's used to talking to his teacher, doing his work through summer school. Right. So it'll be a nice, smooth transition for him. But the kids, like my middle daughter, she was kind of like, eh. I said, but you stare at your computer all day mm-hmm. when you're on TikTok. She said, Dad, you got a good point. I said, Yeah, you do Fortnite six hours. Why can't you do that on school? She said, Dad, you got another good point. That's wisdom. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, that makes sense. So, virtual learning, they were going towards that anyway Mm -hmm. for kids who are in the hospital, Mm -hmm. kids who have uh, diseases that they got to be, can't be around people. They were gonna do that anyway, but now I like the idea of maybe schools opting in or opting out, stuff like that. Right, no, absolutely. And and here on the 31st edition of where they at with the great Leroy Butler, future Pro Football Hall of Famer for sure. Doing it the 31st episode. That's right, yes indeed, because Super Bowl 31 was the one you won. Yeah. <laughs> yes indeed, yes, sir. So I care about Super Bowl weekend. <laughs> No, we're going to bring up the Super Bowl. You know, you, we got to keep bringing that up. For sure. <laughs> but well, sir, now I wonder, um, my condolences, uh, speaking of COVID-19, my condolences on the transition of your former teammate, Tootie Robbins, you know, uh, right tackle. Talk about, you know, what he meant because he was part of the Renaissance. He started in 92 and 93 for the Packers and he was a vet, a vet presence for the team. Yeah, uh, Tootie to me, I was a lot, I was, I, I'm a little biased, but me and George Kuntz mm. were really tight with him because we wanted to learn how to be a veteran. Yes. How to take care of your body. You know, because I never really got in the hot. I, my first year was 1990. Mm-hmm. I didn't get in the hot tub until I was like 1995. I used to, I'm fine. <laughs> so he said, young blood, take care of yourself now. So you get my age, it's a little bit more easier. And he just taught me things. Like, and there was something else that I, don't, I hope people realize something he did. Mm-hmm. If you a left tackle or a right tackle, you used to do, they use something called a kick step. You got mm-hmm. your left foot back or your right foot back, and you kind of kick it back to get ready for the left defensive end. Right. Robbins mastered what we call a short set. Hmm. He would kick back, then he would stop and punch you. <laughs> he did that against Reggie White when Reggie was in Philly. Wow. That's why Reggie, that's why Reggie went, ended up joining the Packers. You know? Right. <laughs> it was like doing this stuff. Like, if you watch it on film, he come back, come back, and the guys will think he's kick-stepping, and he would stop and punch him. Mm-hmm. He was a big, strong guy, and he kind of mastered that. So now when you see guys do that, you say, that was from Tootie Roberts. He just never got the credit for it. So I'm just excited that we can um, talk about him because he meant a lot to the Packers. Because what you write about that, it was, that was a transition but must go and do something great. And he was a part of it. So condolences to his family, RIP to him. And I've been praying for him, you know, to make sure that his family's fine and he's in a yes. better place looking down on us, watching this right now saying, yes. thank you, my brother. So I love Tootie Robbins. Yeah. Wow. And it also made me think of that. That's why I try to reach out to some of my teammates uh, before, you know, Something happened. I think that's what COVID nineteen pretty much did. Really, mm-hmm. you know, 
make you reach out and have wellness checks on your um, teammates because we didn't know that he had COVID nineteen. Oh, yeah, so we were. We were and he was so beloved. I mean, the guy was just a tremendous guy. So thank you for bringing that. I really appreciate that. No, absolutely. That's no question, sir. And and I want I want to go back to your inspirational childhood in Jacksonville, Florida. You had adversity in your childhood. Your parents were separated. You grew up in the Blodgett homes, you know, the projects in, in Jacksonville. But you were mostly in a wheelchair and leg braces early in your childhood. And your mother Eunice was a nurse. And you know, reflect on the love and guidance that she gave you through those difficult times, giving you strength. My mom, uh, and thank you for that. Um, my mom was a philosophist. She was a hard worker. She was a father figure, mother figure. Mm -hmm. She was a coach. She was everything. Yes. I was just so blessed because I'm a mama's boy. <laughs> my, my brothers and sister go outside. I was disabled. I was in special education. Yeah. And my mom took time to help me read. And she took time to one day ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? Now, you would think that growing up without a father it would be tough anywhere. But you're talking about in the inner city, in the what we call the Blodgett Homes, one of the worst places for crime. As yeah. an African-American in the South, um, I, I remember uh, Bubba Wallace from NASCAR, we had that news instance. Oh man, was, yeah, Daytona, yep. Every day down south, it was something racially motivated. And my mom taught me through all navigating these waters of kids bullying me because I was poor, kids bullying me because I wasn't real big, because I was disabled, I had the same braces like Forrest Gump. She <laughs> said, then she turned to the racial aspects of it, that people are not gonna like you for not no fault or your own, you woke up black, choice, <laughs> mm -hmm. but some people are not gonna like that. And then she also took me to religion. And I remember a quick story how she wanted me to get baptized and I was scared. I was like, I don't think I wanna do this. I think I was like seven, eight years old. Mm -hmm. And Every time it was my turn, they would put your name up on the little board, who gets baptized so your, right. your family can come. So every time it was my time, the pastor would draw a line through it. He was like, oh, this kid, because I got scared. So my mom's like, it's just like swimming. It's no big deal. Mm -hmm. I said, okay. So it was my time, and I got anxiety real bad ever since when I was little, still have it. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I got my, I got my little floater things on. One of my friends gave me some gargles. And I'm dressed like it's going to the pool. Mm -hmm. And when it was my time to come down, they put me on this road. People in the church are laughing. I'm glad it wasn't social media, okay? <laughs> they are dying laughing. Like, what is wrong with this kid? And the pastor was like, listen, to him it's like swimming, okay? So he says a couple of things in the scripture, and then he put me down. Everybody's dying laughing. And I think my mom taught me something, to network with people you got to bring people to think like you. And yes. I brought everybody to forget about the baptism in a way, but a kid with anxiety to how you deal with it is you think about something else. And for me, it was swimming because I couldn't do swim because I had the braces and I had crutches. So when my brothers and sisters would go to the pool, I couldn't do it. Yeah. So yeah. 
my mom was great with that. And then she just kind of taught me to adapt to all of my surroundings. So pretty much I didn't know kids were bullying me because I had my blinders on. Mm-hmm. And my mm-hmm. mom, she's passed away about four years ago. Oh, I'm sorry. Every, every day I think about some of the tools that she gave me to, uh, you know what? My mom never wanted me to be a front runner. She wanted me to yes. help people that I don't know. Mm-hmm. You my brother. You are, yes. you don't know it, but you my brother. I could have easily have done a podcast for a big, the Four Letter Network or some CBS. But that's what, what my mom was thinking about. She was thinking mm-hmm. about coming on your show. And when you blow up, <laughs> I remember my boy Leroy. I'm on my 2000s episode making millions of dollars. I remember my boy Leroy. Of course. That's what she wanted me to do. And I and I think it's a true outlier because some players, the bigger the platform, the bigger they can get their message. But my mom saw it a little bit different. Mm-hmm. If your message is good, it don't matter what the platform it is, it'll get out. So yes. that's why it's important. Uh, that's why she helped me growing up deal with all the negative stuff. Wow, no doubt. And you got you got to share the story on how you discovered that you didn't need those braces anymore. Oh man, my mm-hmm. sister Vicky is my brother Michael. I better get this correct for they see this. My let's go back. My youngest brother Darian is the smartest in the family. He's like okay. a four point eight nine nine something. I didn't know they go over 2.0, okay? Yeah. <laughs> this guy was brilliant. And that, now he's like the fire chief in Orlando. He's wow. amazing. So wow. I, uh, although he was younger than me, I looked up to him and he said, I said, I, God gave you all the brains. He said, yeah, but God gave you all the, the, the wherewithal to ignore people. It's hard for me to ignore people. I wish I could yeah. do that. Mm. My other brother, Michael, should have been Lamar Jackson, straight up. He was the best little league quarterback in the city. Wow. High school, he was amazing. But he was just a special person because when in ninth grade, Mm -hmm. and this is a well-documented story, but it's not talked about enough. In ninth grade, the coach had one jersey left. But he had to choose two people, and it was me and my brother. Wow. So my brother Michael knew he had the talent because they had to have a quarterback. Mm-hmm. He knew I was disabled. He knew that my life was playing in the NFL one day. So the coach is about to pick who he wanted. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden, he gets up. He says, Coach, wait. I don't even really want to play football. I only was doing it to meet girls. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that that or music. That or music. What did it say, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so he said, give the jersey to him. It'll mean more to him. And remember, I, I was a small kid. I, I wasn't fast. I barely knew the rules because I had a late start. Mm-hmm. He just left. So the coach gave the jersey. I make the team and the rest is history. But my sister to me was like the one person who kept everything in line. Mm. And I remember she was late for the prom. And that's, it, it, I'm like, wait a minute. 
she's late for the prom. And so I'm sitting in a wheelchair, wait, so she runs down the stairs. And when she runs down the stairs, she turns her corner, she knocks me out of the wheelchair by mistake. And my braces, they break. Wow. And when my braces break, I'm standing up. I'm like, what's going on? You know, I was surprised. And I started to stand and walk without any assistance. And then when I went back to the doctor with my mom, he said I pretty much grew out of it because I was extremely, my feet were pigeon-toed like this. Oh. I started to turn like this with the corrective shoes and the braces. Uh-huh. And my sister, by accident, we, I, after that, I've been running ever since. <laughs> kids at school said, wait a minute, we just saw you get off this short bus with let this ramp down to go to first grade. And next thing you know, you're walking around like us. Were you faking wow. or what? Shout out to my sister, man. She was everything to me. And, and my sister is one of these people believe that God gives you a plan. Mm -hmm. And he wanted me to get out of the wheelchair, but he wanted it to be like an accident, not the doctor telling me to do it. Here on the 31st episode of of Where They At with the great Leroy Butler. Wow, what a story of how he came up. And, and of course, we all know he's a four-time Pro Bowl and All-Pro safety, one of the great football players in the 1990s. Now, Leroy, you went to um, Robert E. Lee High School and you lettered in football, basketball, and track. Now, first of all, when I see Robert E. Lee, that name, are they changing the name or what? Because I'm sorry. Every, <laughs> every time I see that name, you know, I'm, I'm sorry to, to, to digress, but I have to ask you that honest question. <laughs> no, it's a fair question because I told you I'm from down south. Mm -hmm. I remember um, my mom, I was supposed to go to Terry Parker High School. Okay. In the ninth grade, going to the tenth. So I'm over at that school doing spring football because mm. you can practice with the varsity or junior varsity. And my coach was Coach Scroggins. He said, uh, "You, I need you to go and come to my office." So he goes to my office, and he, a letter that he got the same as my mom. Mm -hmm. He's not going to Terry Parker. He's going to go to Robert E. Lee High School. Mm -hmm. So my mom was like trying to explain it to me. It was based on the last name for busing. They wanted kids to go to any school, you know, segregation or whatever. It's not based on money. It's just based on your last name. Mm -hmm. Wherever you go, that's where you go. And and I was like, I don't want to go to this racist school. She, said, she said, wait a minute. What? She said, you know, I ain't think about that. And that's when she taught me to be a leader, yes. not a follower. But if you're going to follow, choose the right leader. Yes, yes. And she said, yes. she said, just use Lee High School. And that's why I was saying, like, every other day, I had a Confederate flag in my locker or a noose or something racist like that. And it was rough. But mm -hmm. again, I got my blinders on. Cause my yeah. goal is to get to the NFL. Mm -hmm. the racist stuff. I grew up doing that. I mean, I remember going to the bus stop. It was 15 African Americans going to the bus stop to catch a bus to go to Robert E. Lee, and a bunch of guys in a truck come by with a Confederate flag, all the rack for rifles and all this, and they just letting the N word fly. Wow, yeah. Get walking. All my friends want to stop and fight and sell, yelling and curse. I kept walking. 
So when they came back, they said, wait a minute, why didn't you help us and say something? I said, because he didn't say my name. My mom told me don't react when they say my name. Otherwise, mm-hmm. only wow. somebody will be bothered by that name will react to it. My mom taught me, hey, listen, the only thing you react to is Leroy Butler. And they and they, they thought about it. They said, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. We just ignore these guys. Don't give no energy to it. Because mm-hmm. you're used to it as an African-American. You really are. And Lee High School was, it was tough because I didn't know how that was going to work out because I had to play with the white kids, had to play with the black kids. And my coach, Coach Corky Rogers, he don't see color. He sees mm-hmm. blue and, and uh, silver. He's the, one of the top high school coaches of all time. He had a talk with us about that. One talk. When you're in this locker room, you brothers, leave all yes, that sir. foolishness in the school. We mm-hmm. don't play that down here. Coach Barrett, defense coordinator, we don't play that. We love everybody. We yes. understand what the school's for. And maybe in this, and my teacher, Miss Gordon, she was brilliant. She was like, it'll take people way in, this was like in the 90s. She said, way in the late 2000s to figure this out. We won't, we'll be old and gray when they figure it out. And the millennials are trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. It was, it, it was tough. And I think you're the only one, to be honest with you, that really addressed that. I've done tons of interviews and no one's ever caught that. I'm dead yeah. serious. It's never been caught. And I've been yeah. waiting for uh, somebody to ask me, especially after the George Floyd thing. Oh, man. It just, never, it just never came up. People look at your history. Oh, this man with the Robert E. Lee. I mean... I would like to ask him about growing up in the South. Mm-hmm. My, just like my uh, uncle used to say, why are we uh, celebrating losers that fought to keep slavery? Mm-hmm. Just, so don't give it no energy because the same people that are cheering for you, as soon as you take that stuff off, they're calling you the N-word. That's, that's right. And Tom Herman addressed that. Texas head coach, the University exactly. of Texas head coach, yep. Yeah, and I and I understood that. I'm like, hey man, just keep it moving. And and you know, cause my uncle Charles Durham, he was kind of my father figure and my mom's brother. Mm-hmm. And he just never reacted because I've never been arrested, don't smoke, don't drink, don't nothing. He always tell me, don't every day he was saying, Don't do something. And one of them was being at that high school, you're gonna see some treacherous stuff. Just keep it moving. Yes, sir. Wow. Well, now, now, Leroy, I wanted to ask you, like, you were recruited by all the top programs in the country. You emerged to be one of the top football players. And what gravitated, what did Bobby Bowden do to, to have you be lured to go to Florida State University? Great question. Uh, okay, this was already, as you know, African-American, poor, special needs, uh, special education, all the negative stuff growing up. Mm-hmm. So I'm in high school. I'm, I'm a consensus All-American. Mm-hmm. Every university, I'm getting letters from everybody. Yep. I'm on top of the world. I get a letter. And Miss Gordon, my favorite teacher, she's in my book uh, from Wheelchair to Lambeau, Leap the Leroy Butler story. And she pulled me to the side and said, I got a letter saying you can't go to college. I said, why not? I'm All-American. She says, you didn't pass the SAT test. 
you didn't get a high enough score. So that means you can't go to college. Mm. I got letters from all these schools saying we can't have you, you can't come to school, blah, blah, blah. So I'm thinking in my head, God, there is no plan B because plan A was going to work. And he gave me a signal, don't give up yet. Mm -hmm. A couple of days later, Miss Gordon is running down the hallway in her six-inch heels. Now that's real talent. <laughs> <laughs> yep, just like just like Jada Pinkett in in, in um in Collateral. <laughs> she say, "What are you doing?" I say, "Listen, what's going?" She say, "If you read the fine print, which guys never do, we let our wives read it. We just want to know what it costs." She said, "You can go to school, but it's called Proposition Forty-Eight. They're only going to take six young men per university if they want to. And the next couple of days, she got a letter from Florida State. Goes mm -hmm. out and say, not only do we want you, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to come to visit you. I said, do he know where I live? <laughs> Projects. Man, he drove down in his car. In the Cadillac, park. Cadillac. Uh, actually, it was a Buick. A Buick. <laughs> All the time ago, man, with no Cadillac. Beautiful. You can't say maroon. You have to say garnet. Garnet. Okay. So they're coming in like Secret Service. Mm -hmm. All you know, all the homeboys are like thinking it's the police. You know, because the women yeah. they're like, "Whoa, the cops coming out." He rolled the window down. FSU. Where's Leroy Butler? I want to. This Coach Bowden. <gasps> Coach Bowden. Oh man, Scotland like, people moving everybody out. <laughs> living. So Coach Bowden was the man. Okay. Yes, indeed. Come in. He said, "Miss Butler, I gotta get him out these inner cities. I gotta mm -hmm. get him out. I don't want him to be a statistic. He got to come." My mom said, "But I thought he was a proposition for." She said, "Yes, he can come. He just can't play football his freshman year, but he can enroll in the school." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's when I say there is a God. Because sometimes you pray, you're thinking, just give me a chance. I, I grew up poor. I didn't have it. Here's your chance. So I get to the university, and I'll never forget it. Coach Bowden taught me how to be a man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Wow. Coach Bowden, definitely a legend for sure. And, 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 and you came up with that team. I mean, you had, of course, Deion Sanders, who's a Hall yeah. of Famer. You'll be joining him in the Hall of Fame soon. Uh, you had, I mean, good players like Amp Lee, Edgar Bennett, who was your yeah. teammate in Green Bay, uh, you know, Dexter Carter, you know, and then T-Buck played as well as Terrell Buckley. So, I mean, that led that uh, renaissance of Florida State football. What were the factors that made Florida State just – not just great during your time, but decades after. Well, I'll tell you what, I, you know, I told you I have the anxiety real bad. And I just remember going to the freshman dorm. Mm -hmm. It was, it was a piece of crap. I'll be honest with you. I'm being honest. <laughs> and plus I, I don't like heights and I was way up on the top floor and I don't oh. like elevators and, it was, it was a godsend that we met Burt Reynolds, who went to Florida. Oh, State. yes, of course. Yep. <laughs> when I tell you uh, I was stunting, he tore that down. He built Burt Reynolds Hall. Two levels. And my room was on the first floor. I said, God is good. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, 
immaculate. It had air conditioning. You had your own bed. We had a kitchen. And then you could see the stadium maybe like 500 feet away. Mm -hmm. And and you're right about that. I remember all the people, like all the All-Americans and just the brotherhood. Because that's what Coach Bowden teach. You can't win unless you got your brother's back. He has to to be a trust. And next thing you know, uh, everything turned out great as far as I didn't have to worry about the living conditions. And then I, I didn't have a car. And I had to get on the, the trailways or the Greyhound. You weren't mm. born back then, now. <laughs> but you had to get on I'm, the bus. I'm older than I look. <laughs> <laughs> it was weird because you're on this bus for like 25 hours plus your student ID. And they stopped all these little small towns, but you had to go back and forth. And it just seemed like uh, meeting Deion Sanders, he taught me how mm. your brand. Yep. Your brands. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> we got FSU, but underneath that, you got to have build something for yourself. And my junior year, I was part of something called a punt ruski, a fake punt. I was about to ask you, was that play the play that made FSU FSU? Yes, mm-hmm. because that meant I don't care who you are, we'll play you, and we're not accepting defeat. Yes. No. For Coach Bowden to call that play on our own 20 with few minutes left, and it's all or nothing. That's the yeah. way he coached. That's right. That's right. And that put me on the map, that play. And and I just remember my senior year being a consensus All-American. I was like, man, I know what American All-American was at Lee High School, but All-American in college? Yes, sir. I mean, yes, sir. Side eye the barbershop because you can skip everybody. Oh, and there's Roy Butler. Get in the chair. What? Did you, did you win the Jen Thorpe Award for best defensive back? Did you win no, the Thorpe Award? Because you touching a touchy subject. Oh, I didn't. I was hot. Yeah, I should have won that thing, dog. Yeah. Oh, wow. Politics. But you know what? It in the discussion, one of my uh, coaches, Coach mm-hmm. Andrews. Mm-hmm. He put his arm around me. He said, you know, that's, you don't really care about awards like that. I said, yes, I do. That's top defensive back. That means I go in the first round. He said, <laughs> and no one's ever asked me that. So I'm actually glad you brought it up because we had a heart to heart about people don't go by numbers. They go by branding and household names sometimes. And yeah. yeah. He said, you got to earn your household name. You no. Know? Mm-hmm. Everybody think it's Dion University. So you're, you're backing up Dion. So they're thinking, we're not going to give another guy all these awards. Although Terrell Buckley run it, won it right after me. The T-Buck, yeah. yeah. He deserved it, though. He was the man. Mm-hmm. It really bothered me for a minute. It really did. Like, well, I thought y'all supposed to vote for the best. I mean, I in my eye, I thought it was the best. You know, defensive back, and I had all the stats. But for some reason, it, it just really fueled me. But... It was all good because at this time, you know, being a consensus All-America, I got a chance to meet Bob Hope. Uh, yes. Christmas show. Mm-hmm. Millions of people. And, I, you know, we only had one television in the project. It was so small. We had to watch it one at a time. I mean, this thing was small. But I remember when I got back, the whole neighborhood was waiting on me. Oh, uh, yes. I saw you with Bob Hope. 
I mean, that's when I thought a celebrity status, okay. They, I mean, that was big. I never expected when I went there to be all American. I just wanted to go there for three or four years and maybe have a chance at the NFL, but mm -hmm. God gave me the ability to make big plays my yes, senior year. And as you stated earlier, you know, when you win big games and then we went to the bowl game, the Fiesta Bowl, that was a big deal. Yes. A very good game, so it really helps. Wow, here with the great Leroy Butler on the 31st episode of Where They At. My name is the Batals, and Leroy, now you're a second-round pick by the Green Bay Packers, a, a rich organization full of history, five championships, NFL and Super Bowl combined in the 1960s. You know, uh, you had, of course, like Willie Wood. Like, I wanted to ask you, were you in touch with Willie Wood during your time with the Packers and get, you know, advice from him? Because to me, he could be the greatest safety ever. Hey, Willie Wood, Herb Alley, um, mm, yes, Star, uh, Max McGee, all Force, those Force Greg, yep. <laughs> not to be a big guy, you know. Not he wasn't a real big safety. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Johnny Gray. Mm -hmm. I talked to guy. It made me feel good because I'm six feet. Really, five eleven three quarters. <laughs> but it was like, how do you, how can you play safety? I thought they were supposed to be like real big, and you know these guys got it done. So the history of the Packers was something, the fabric of that team is something I really leaned forward into. Mm -hmm. you know, and and that's the one thing about the current athletes, they're not really into that. And that really kind of bothers me in a way. Mm -hmm. Because when we were practicing in the 90s, you saw Bart Starr or Ray Niski, you were like, man, just, I mean, you guys paved the way for us. Yes, yes, sir. Yeah, but the, the current athletes, they're not really into that. That's what I wanted to Yes, I, I about history, knowing their history. What talk more about that? Elaborate on the on the disappointment that you have in that. It really is because you know I've always kind of want to talk about it, but it's just I think more media people have the current um, phone numbers than your former teammates, and it's, to me, if you play for the Green Bay Packers, I don't care what era, you can get in touch with Leroy Butler. Mm -hmm. I ain't the most accessible guy, and it just. It, but I wanted to learn from the people. The first two Super Bowls, you know, I wanted to meet. I remember meeting Jim Taylor. Our rest oh yeah. And I'm like, man, how you ran the ball? Ran, you know, you wasn't real big. He said, man, I got behind the Kramer. And, yes, <laughs> tell me, and you know, he, hearing that kind of history, and we do have. Uh, alumni weekend and you get a chance to interact with some of the guys who played but it just seemed like i wish the current players would interact more with the players who played before them yes. I, I really wish and i don't i don't know if it'll ever happen or not but it, it just i i used to doing stretching mm -hmm. i saw one guy from the 60s i mean it would really give me goosebumps. I'm like, man, thank wow. you for winning 13 championships and all this. Yeah. 
it just it meant a lot. You know, Forrest yes. Greg, I'm like, man, how you was just tough, man. Forrest Greg is not a big guy, but you know, it just I just think that the current players care more about their own legacy instead mm -hmm. of somebody else's. Mm -hmm. And I hope I'm totally wrong, but I just don't see the it could be better, put it that way. And I yeah. Now some franchises they is mandatory. Mm -hmm. Really get these guys together. They really get them together. And some franchises like, no, nah, you can do it yourself if you want to. You know, if you're not really a guy on history, you don't have to yeah. lean into it. I just think it's something that you could take advantage of mm -hmm. because these guys got millions of dollars. Another guy, it's not about money, it's just about access. You know, mm -hmm. just yeah. texting, hey, what's up? You know, mm -hmm. and it just, it can be better. I wanted to be different when I was playing and saw guys 60s, 70s, and 80s. I just, just big up to them because if it wasn't for them, you know, it wouldn't be a Leroy Butler. And I just wanted to show them how much, how much I appreciated them. Cause they didn't have things that I have to stay safe. Their helmets weren't like mine. They, mm -hmm. they didn't have the pads, and and definitely didn't have the money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they guys had to get jobs and play. So I just wish it was better. And it's just, I think again, the current athletes in all the sports, NBA, NFL, soccer, hockey. The current players need to always pay homage and have a better connection with the players who played before them. That's right. That's right. I, I wanted to, I, while I was before COVID, I was trying to do a network. It's called Players Only, to where it's a social media platform where players from other sports will interact and the uh -huh. fans can see it, but they can't be in it. Uh huh. So, like uh, Patrick Mahomes called like Brett Favre or, mm -hmm. you know, like if I call uh, me and Ronnie Lott FaceTime, like Darnell Savage or something like that. Mm -hmm. I was working on that. And then, of course, COVID hit. I think I'm going to still put it together. No, you got to. You should be able to pick up the phone and get a, a, a like a directory who you want to talk to. And it's secure. You know, mm -hmm. nobody would get it. And then if you got a golf tournament, you know how to get in touch with him. Different from the NFL PA. This would be players running players. And all the everybody's information will be protected. Um, that's something I really been wanting to work on. And I just wish it was better. I think something like that would be transparent enough to know that everybody, if you're a player, even the WNBA young ladies, even the soccer young ladies, they'll be a part of it. If mm -hmm. you're any kind of professional athlete, here's a platform. Once you're in college, you're not available, you're not eligible to do it. But once you get out of college on a team, you can sign up and then you'll be, and you can just pick the sport. If you want to talk to a guy, hey man, how's it going? You know, how was it back then? You can get all of that, and then you'll have an option to release the message board to the public. Otherwise, it stays private. So I'm gonna mm. work on that. No, that that's outstanding, and it's just like like I'm also a professional jazz musician. I do that as well. Okay. We're living, yes, sir, and 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 that's what it's all about. Like you said, reaching out to the elders, 
that that's mandatory in, in, in music and in arts, you know, I can't wait for that to really go into full into, into fruition. Cause it, it can happen. Uh, Leroy definitely, definitely make it happen. But, um, but yeah, I wanted to ask you about the infrastructure and the leadership of Ron Wolf and Mike Holmgren. Yeah, How yeah. did they put you guys in the position oh, to be so good and ascent so fast? <laughs> now we finna get to the good stuff. <laughs> I'm sitting in a meeting. Now, how do you pronounce your name again? Nabate. Nabate, okay. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Because you're my brother. I got to make sure I get it right. Uh, oh, I appreciate, I appreciate you. Saying my name, Leroy, I thank you for doing that. Oh, oh no, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So many people call me Leroy. I don't even correct Oh, you. no, not at all. Because you have the, the R is capitalized. There you go, Leroy. <laughs> my mom had a problem with that. Yeah. But do, do you have any nicknames that people called you? Oh no, not at all, Nabate. I, I I didn't tell I didn't tell them to call me any nicknames. Yep, yes sir, because I, I want them to. Guys in the locker room calling you Tay, so... <laughs> like Devonte, like Devonte yeah. Adams. Yeah, Tay, Tay, Tay Adams. Yeah. yeah, I like that. But I just remember, uh, real quick, we were in a meeting. We just beat Minnesota, I think '91. I think Lindy mm -hmm. Infante was the coach that drafted me. So I mm -hmm. rest in peace to him. He's up in a meeting. Yeah. We, the last meeting, we just beat Minnesota. Last game, he meets with the team. Mm. They had just signed Ron Wolf, and he's standing up there talking to us. And Ron Wolf comes in, but he's standing off to the side. So he said, "Guys, I want to introduce you to the new general manager, Ron Wolf." So Ron Wolf comes up. So basically, if we had the little boxes that we have now, uh -huh. Lenny Infante would leave the box, <laughs> and they you know, Ron walked into the box. He was crystal clear, and I'm gonna paraphrase this. A lot of you guys are not gonna be here. Oh, we kept it hundred. Wow, one hundred, one thousand. This is a losing culture, and I want to win a championship. It wasn't a mic for him to drop. Mm -hmm. I said, "Man, I respect this guy," but everybody started looking around like, "Who's not gonna be?" I said, well, "I'm a second round pick. I know they're gonna give me the right." <laughs> Listen, so I was one, the only guy that heard that. So the transition was he got to find a coach because they did release Lindy Infante. And I heard Dick Vermeil was going to be our coach, Bill Parcells, all these names. I never heard of Mike Holmgren. Mm -hmm. I'm at home. I get a call. The new coach is about to do a press conference. You want to come back up? I say, well, who's the coach? Mike Holmgren. I said, who? <laughs> Holmgren. He was the offensive coordinator in San Francisco, won a Super Bowl. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, won a Super Bowl? By the way, the next thing smoking. Under Seifert. Under Seifert. Yep, yep. And you, wait a minute, he talked to Joe Montana about anything? Yeah, buddy. <laughs> I get there. He was very shy. Big guy. The one thing, if I ever get in the Hall of Fame, he'll be a part of my speech. Because he, he was the best communicator in the history of sports. Mm -hmm. Best communicator. There's never, there will never be another guy in the world that can communicate like Mike Holmgren. So now you got to get a quarterback. We get Brett Favre. Yeah. And now we got the first free agent. Now, African Americans wasn't a place that people would go to Green Bay. That was the narrative. I saw on television that Reggie signed with San Francisco. So I said, well, 
not getting ready. Because Reggie was big because he sued the league to become free agent. Right, right. Reggie come here. Next thing you know, Holmgren, I saw him. He said, we may have a chance at Reggie. I said, why do you say that? Just wait. I said, there's no way. Didn't he side with San Francisco? Ron Wolf made him understand. You can go anywhere and be a great player. Mm-hmm. But if you come here, you'll be a legend. And I remember Reggie, Reggie very religious. Yes. So he'd say, you're going to let God make the decision. So I remember Coach Hongham calling him up and leaving on his answer machine. Hey, Reggie, you should come to Green Bay. Oh, by the way, this is God. It hung up. <laughs> Dead serious. Uh, when I heard that story, I was dying laughing. Next thing you know, weeks later, Reggie walks through the door. Wow. Wow. Things change. Because yes. I thought African Americans don't like to come here free agent. Oh, yeah, they do. Because Reggie wanted to win a championship. Yes. He had great teams in Philly, but they couldn't get over. Especially that D-line. Lord have oh, mercy. Man. Jerome Brown, Clyde Simmons, Mike Pitts in him. Oh, my God. <laughs> Eric Allen. That's my- right. E. Allen. Seth Joyner. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Randall Cunningham. They had everything. Yeah. everything. But they were missing something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There, things started to change. The losing culture was gone. And you just start an ascending team to get to where we wanted to go, and that was the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, no. That, and, that, and that's what it ultimately became. And, and also, there's a, this is a gentleman, I'm going to mention his name. No one really talks about him. God rest his soul, the great Fritz Shermer. Yeah. You know, like he's someone that you became the best safety in, in the NFL with his tutelage. Talk about how your game elevated and how you separated yourself under the great Fritz Shermer. See, and I, and, uh, uh, I got to go back. I remember getting a phone call from, and this transitions into that. Mm-hmm. So thank you for bringing up Fritz, because people never do. I don't know why. Yeah, right. I, I really don't. The guy was truly amazing, especially for me. And mm-hmm. you'll see why. I get a phone call from Ray Rhodes. Ah, uh, like, yes. How's he doing? How's he doing? Because he had some health issues. Yes. Um, really got a heat. He'll be another coach that'll be in my speech. Yes. I love Ray, man. Ray was great. I got a phone call and it was very emotional because he loved to shuck and jive half. Yeah, yeah. Very excited, very energetic. None of that. I'll take Terrell Buckley with the fifth pick. I want you to move to safety. I said, wait a minute. I'm six feet. 190, how can I play safety? He said, no, 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 it's not about size. It's not about that. It's about the way I want to play you. So okay. So I bought in. Mm-hmm. So I moved to safety. So now Ray uh, leaves and gets, the, I think, the head coaching job in Philly. That's right. No. Mistaken. I said, who's going to be the coordinator? Cause he just gave me this plan. So a new coordinator may have a different plan. Okay, go back to corner right. or something else. Or maybe mm-hmm. trade you, I don't know. Fritz Sherman and his wife, uh, his wife was platinum. Beautiful young lady. Yeah, yeah. Good too. Woo! 
<laughs> we used to go to each other's houses. And I remember Fritz saying in our first meeting, oh, I got some good stuff for you. I said, what? He said, I just, I want to build off of what Ray did. He said, I want you to be able to cover the third wide receiver without me going to nickel and dime. I don't want to bring guys in that's too predictable. So and he put in this system to where I can come down in the box, where I can blitz, wow. I can do all these things. And, and then one day he came in, he said, tell me what you think. I said, what do you mean? No coach does this. Mm-hmm. No, coaches are like computers. They only know what they know. And they think this system is the best. They don't ask their players what they think. They should. Right. He said, tell me what you think. I said, listen, if it's a top tight end we're playing each week, he's my guy. You can call any coverage you want. If we playing Shannon Sharp or anyone. Mm-hmm. Or, or Bavaro, yeah, whatever, you know. Anybody. Mm-hmm. I want him. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, yes, he said, I'm glad to hear you say that. Because I can design a plan to keep you down in the box. Going back. But sometimes I want you to play back too. Mm-hmm. If you could do all that one day, I really believe, and Ray Rose told him this, on the way they were transitioning out, Ray said, man, you got your – a pro bowler and all pro guy there. So you, you, so he's going to make it easy for you. Leroy loves to talk football and stuff like that. Yeah. And he was right, man. I was flying around doing all this stuff. And it was because, you know, he'd say, what, what? Doing the game. You know, it's 30, 14. What do you like? What do you like? I said, ooh, I like that Neptune. I like that Neptune, dog. That's why I would <laughs> tell Reggie to go underneath and I would come outside uh-huh. and run it. That blitz. <laughs> you run it. I say, hey, third and short. Let's play cover two. Let's mix it up. Run the cover two. Because, you know, third and short or third and long, offensive coordinators think they can predict what you want to do, but we were unpredictable. Mm-hmm. All week they told their quarterback, he is not going to be there. Leroy's going to be here. And I remember against San Diego, he was like, I want you to switch it up a little bit. I want you to line up in the box. Don't even disguise it. I said, well, what's that going to do? The quarterback all week, the coaches have been telling him, you're going to be back and you're going to come down and back. But I want you to line up there and let them guess where you're going. That's right. I like that. I had to get a stank face. Ooh, I like that. (laughs) Well, I was down there, and they thought I was going to go back and do something else. And I stayed there, and I just going to cover what we call the little hook area. And – but actually, I was in man-to-man. Mm-hmm. So the back went out to the flat. I went with him. And then he tried to come back across my face. I said, uh-oh, I studied this. That it's called a, a wheel route. But it's an angle to it. It's like in and out and back out. It's mm-hmm. like an option. Uh-huh. Did my ground, came up. There's the ball. Went 90 yards and scored. Did the leap. Yeah. <laughs> I remember uh, Fritz was like, I don't know what to say. He just, I said, what do you mean? Because he always would say stuff. Mm-hmm. He'd be shaking his head. And I know what he was saying. Working together is so much easier. Yes. Yes, sir. like to do. And I can help you. You help me. And we're going to win. And that's what happened. I mean, after 30 years, 
you know, of waiting for a Super Bowl, it was time. And and you invented the Lambeau Leap, December 26, 1993, against the Raiders. And and, and Reggie and, and Reg, not, um, Reggie White gave you the assist with the with the lateral, and then he took it to the house. Now Robert Brooks made a song about it, and then he trademarked the Lambeau Leap. I know he's giving you a commission, right? I know you're getting. You get, <laughs> I'll tell you what happened. Robert, shout out to Robert Brooks. That guy, you know, offensive guys are smarter than defensive guys. Mm-hmm. After I do it, I, I get it, the ladder from Reggie. And I'm running down. So after the leap, you know, people were like, what is, you know, what did he do? I mean, is it illegal or whatever? And I remember Coach Holman coming up to me and said, never do that again because you're going to get fined. I was like, really? But they didn't find me. <laughs> but I think like a year later, uh, or a year and a half or something like that, Robert was like, another team may try to steal that. He wrote Jump in the Stands. That's right, the, the rap song, yeah. It sounded sound like an E4, not, no, too short, too short vibe. Like, exactly. Like, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I was supposed to be in the video, but I had an appearance. Oh, that's right, I was wondering, why weren't you in the yeah. car? What's yeah. up? <laughs> I was supposed to be in it, but I had an appearance, I couldn't get out, and they, they can only uh. take it at the time. So Gilbert Brown took my spot. <laughs> that's my brother. I love. He's my favorite. Yes, player. Gilbert Brown. Yes. Don't tell my other teammates I said that. Okay. I won't. <laughs> well, he did that song. It blew up. It blew up. It blew mm-hmm. up. It blew up. And he was smart enough to trade market. So other uh, teams, which they were doing it, wouldn't mm-hmm. try to take Lambo Leap. Yeah. So Robert was smart. So in 2007, when me and him went into the Packer Hall of Fame together. Wow. It, if it wasn't for Robert Brooks, there would not be, it wouldn't be famous. It would be just another celebration. But Robert Brooks gave it the platform. I, cause I didn't think of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Robert was like, he was already in the music anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wrote and directed. He and he did, did the, he did the track too, right? I think. Did did the track. Yeah. I remember when Bill Clinton came into the stadium. Uh-huh. Bill Clinton comes into the stadium. Wow. Robert had the CD. Yes, people, we had CDs back then. <laughs> the I still use them. <laughs> Don't tell my kids. Well, they, not. <laughs> they thought everything is uploaded. Now I said, no, we used to have CDs. That's right, right. Uh, he, so the president is there and it's like, give me the CD. I was like, wow, I said, I'm going to give it to him. You can't give it to no secret circle. going to shoot you. <laughs> Come on, dog. I'm a rug butler. So he gave me the CD. So I go up to the president, President Clinton. I say, uh, Mr. President, I got a present for you. I know they got this on video somewhere. But this, wow. was, like, this was long before you know, social media was out, but mm-hmm. I, I got to have it. I went up to him. I said, this is my, my boy, Robert. Said, Come here, Robert. song <laughs> <laughs> about the Lambo Leap. And I want you to have it. And he looked at me. He took it, which he's not supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bill Clinton took it. And he told his guy to pack up, man. About- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was so cool about it. Yeah. He got it, put it in his jacket. Wow. Not supposed to do. Yeah. But he was most, I think he was happy that people were actually giving him something. Yep. I think he was also happy that the players 
treated him like he was us. We yes. was in the same field. Yes, and sir. I don't know if you ever heard it or not, but he took it, and Robert had that look like, man, thank you. Because that's how we promote it. Hey, the president has it, so you guys should get it. Mm -hmm. it uh, oh, shout out to Robert Brooks, man. If it wasn't for him, it wouldn't yeah. be no. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about that. Leroy, I wanted to talk with you about winning Super Bowl 31, 1996 season, and then making it back in one of the great Super Bowls of all time. Unfortunately, the result wasn't to yeah. your liking, but, yeah. but do you think back on how this Packer team was this close from back to back and how more, like, um, how more memorable that mid-90s Packers era would have been if you won back-to-back -back titles? Yeah, that's a good way to put it because 1992, the whole decade, San Francisco, Dallas, and the Packers dominated. That's right, the NFCs, no doubt. Mm -hmm. Dominated. I mean, just really did. And we really, me and um, uh, Antonio Freeman was talking about this. Uh, we should have won three in a row because 1995, we had the Cowboys in the fourth quarter on the road who was winning. Yes. Let that one slip away. The next year, we beat Carolina. I saw a sign say 30 years of misery. We're still going, we're going to <clears throat> finally go into the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, everything, we were on top of the world. And then Super Bowl 32, I thought if we were a better team than Denver, but Denver not only had a great game plan, it just seemed like it was their time. I mean, they just orchestrated a great game plan. And yep. their plan was to get me out of the box because they knew I would follow Shannon. Mm -hmm. And Terrell Davis went out of the game, but he came back, and they were able to run the ball, and they won. So you got to give them credit for that. Yeah. But we think about that. Had we won three Super Bowls, first I'd already be in the Hall of Fame, I guarantee you. Yeah, yep, yep. Yeah. And then Brett would have won uh, three, and people wouldn't say, oh, you only won one. Mm -hmm. But maybe Holmgren stays, you know, right. because once we lost, you know, Seattle offered him a lot of money. Yep. Told him, man, if you don't take that, you come on. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes you've taken your team as far as you can get them, and you can see it starting to split up. And then Ron Wolf left, and then everything just started to split up. But had we won in '95, and then we did win in '96, if we had won in '97 too, Ooh. things would be different. And just to talk about, like, you in the 1990s, you were first team all decade. But you're the only offensive and defensive player, you know, on the offense and defense to not be in the Hall of Fame. So, yeah, I, I, I don't get that. Now, now, talk about your hope for being in it sooner than later. You know, like how, how many more years of eligibility do you have before the Veterans Committee? You know, that's a good question. I don't know. I think maybe four, five, maybe six years. But okay, good. You got time. You got time then. Yeah, mm -hmm. but... You're right, man. Being the only all first team all decade not to be in because Steve Atwater went in last. Went in, yep. And he's the other safety, the other safety. Mm -hmm. right. They forgot about me, and because people really do have that narrative, it was just Brett Favre, Reggie White, and Ron Wolf, mm -hmm. and me and Coach Holman just kind of get left. So, I'm hoping they. This year, they put me and Charles Wilson in because they've been put two safety. That's right. Here. And then Peyton Manning will be in that class, too. Yes. You know, <laughs> Robert Johnson. There's a lot of people that are going to get a chance, but 
and I think it makes them look bad in a way. Like, hey, man, you, this is the only guy that's not in. He's been waiting for 15 years. And so I expect it to happen um, this year or next. I really do. Yeah. Because you can get indicators. Because I was a semifinalist for a long time. Yeah. Last year, I was the first year been a finalist. Mm -hmm. But going down there, hanging with some of these gold jackets, and they're telling you, the Daryl Greens, the Chris Carters, man, you know, Ty Law, Man, you should have been here. That's, that's right. Four-time All-Pro as well. The only four-time All-Pro also. not Oh, man. A lot of guys don't really like talking about it, but I like talking about it because I, I just feel like, you know, my career can be something when I write the next chapter of my book coming from where I came from and then getting into uh, the Hall of Fame would be a great story for African-American kids in the inner city with single parents. And stuff mm. like that. And That's I had right. stories about the combine. And, and disability. And the disability you had to come back from that, you know? Yeah. Yes. It's going to be a good story. So, but the good thing about it is once I get in, not only am I going to come back and do your show. Ah, yes. A Hall of Fame show that I could tell you some of the more stories that kind of attach to that. Mm -hmm. so almost be like a whole nother interview. Yes, sir. Count on that. If I make it, you will definitely be one of the platforms that I will be able to come on. I don't know if I have my jacket on. Won't <laughs> be standing too hard. <laughs> then I'll mail it to you and let you wear it during the interview. Yeah. Oh, I, I love that. That'll be great, cause sir, I'm a, I'm actually gonna make sure I go to Canton myself. Make oh, yeah. sure that the interview there for sure. <laughs> the interview there, then we'll set up somewhere. They can give us a parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> stand on that. You can. Um, I appreciate that, sir. And, and we got a lot to talk about with Martin, you know, what's going on now in football and everything. Now, I, 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 I saw something. I was like, oh, really? You said Bart Stars, number 15, should be retired everywhere in the NFL? Sir, I was like, hmm. Because I was thinking. You know, bias? Come on, dog. <laughs> oh, no. Because but, <laughs> but, I was like thinking like you, because you compared it to Jackie. I was thinking, okay, maybe Fritz Pollard should be. Or if you're talking about quarterback, Johnny U, that 19 to me. But, but okay, but talk about why Bart Starr. Uh, tell, tell me why. Tell me why. <laughs> a lot of millennials don't know he won the first two Super Bowls. And mm -hmm. he was on pretty much an all-star team. And the guy was clutch. Mm -hmm. games, man, just straight clutch. Yeah. 15 is a number they don't use very much anyway. I mean, other than Patrick Mahomes, that's a number that everybody should be aware. And I just think the history of the Packers center around, you know, Bart Starr. Yeah. Every franchise should have that guy that somebody should nominate for people to put up and say he was the guy. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. the Packers, because they say who's the best quarterback of all time in Pack history? But my nephews, my nephews is Brett Favre because he's never missed a game, okay? <laughs> but, like, uh, my kids is Aaron Rodgers, okay? <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, you know, they grew up with those eras. But Bart Starr just don't get enough credit nationally for what he did in clutch games. And, and if you ask each person – on their franchise, who was the guy? Because I grew up a Cowboy fan. Mm -hmm. my mm -hmm. whole life. Wow. But we'll touch on that the it's... next show. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure the Cowboys, if you ask somebody, they may say Roger Staubach. 
mm-hmm. just to get them. Yeah. And then people say, nah, ain't been won three Super Bowls. Maybe he's a guy. So it's those to discussion, and you have to pick quarterback, and no one cares about nobody else but quarterback. Yeah. They get all the money, they get all the girls, they get all the commercials, and everything. <laughs> but, you know, and he was there his career. You know, I can imagine seeing if Bart Starr played now, you know, he would probably play eight, nine years and have to go play with three or four other franchises like Tom Brady. Yep. You know, like Aaron Rodgers may have to do it in his career. Yeah. Back then, guys stayed with their team. Mm-hmm. So I would love to see, you know, the, the, the and I was upset he wasn't on the hundred all all the hundred century all century team. That's right. Wow. I put my star on that thing, cuz. Mm-hmm. So I think it's some, and I think the Barstar fans like to hear that their guy getting some shine, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that Century team, you know, I, I I didn't get a vote, but you know, Terry Bradshaw might have should have been on there, you know? I mean, I don't know. I mean, they go by championships. Sometimes they don't go by numbers. I don't know, but mm-hmm. Barstar to me, man, if you look at this record and the clutch games, mm-hmm. unbelievable. Wow. And and speaking of that, so you say you definitely say Bart Starr is the best quarterback in Packers history. Oh, now, yeah. Favre and Rodgers, I know you played with Brett Favre. You went I, through the trenches with him. I, I, but, but if you look objectively, yeah. Favre or Rodgers, who's been the more impactful quarterback? I'm going to say Brett Favre, but I'm going to say this. You never missed a game. Dig. If, Dig it. I mean, mm-hmm. They're talking about a position before they put in a Tom Brady rule, like can't hit him low, and then the other rules you can't hit him in the head. Fine, put that aside. Brett Favre, every time you look at a guy, he was getting dressed, him and Reggie White, I knew we were going to win the game or have at least a chance. When you can count on a guy, accountability, dependability, tough words, that means something to players. Mm. I've seen his thumb when it was all messed up. I saw his ankle when it was like the same color as Skittles. It was red, yellow, pussy, oh. tape it up and play. And I've seen when he had his some of his intestines taken out, something, spleen or something. And man, I said, man, you ain't supposed to play. I'm good, Roy Lee. <laughs> When while in the nineties, while he was a Green Bay Packer, the guy was clutch. Child, please. I mean, and you know what? And I want people to, because some people are gonna see this and say, "What about the interception?" I'll give you a quick story, real quick. Mm-hmm. When he first came and practiced through an interception, it really bothered him. Kicking the grass, God. Ah. I said, "Hey, take it easy. Play your game." Mm-hmm. Made to check it down. If you think you can get it between the linebacker over the safety's head and in between the corner, make it. It's my job to get it back. Play wow. your game. So don't. I, we wanted him to to, to be himself, mm-hmm. not to be a robot. So don't let it bother you. It's part of the game. Mm. That a defense was good enough. It's my job to take it back. I think it was refreshing for him to hear that, because because if you make a lot of mistakes, sometimes your teammates can bail on you. Yeah, right. But right. 
everybody, when Brett Favre's in the locker room, man, everybody. Oh, it's love, yeah, because he was so infectious. I mean, he doesn't have the touch Aaron Rodgers, the mobility of Aaron Rodgers, you know, the looks of Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> the, the swagger of Aaron Rodgers, the discount. Yeah, that's just <laughs> shirt jeans, cuz. And the guy made a hundred million dollars and had to borrow ten dollars from me to pay for his stuff at the gas station. You don't even Brad was one of you guys, man, just a plain guy. He would leave his keys in his truck because he trusted everybody. He just uh. I mean, this guy, I wrote a book about it. Him being one of the best teammates. He come in the locker room mm-hmm. and um, if guys were playing spades, the brothers, he'd go play spades. If it's some of the white guys playing backgammon, he'd go play backgammon. If it was some of the older guys getting ready for hunting with their camouflage, he'd go put his camouflage and go hunting with them. Each culture, the young guys playing Atari and Nintendo, he don't even know how to play, but he'd go over there and do it. All that uh-huh. go together. So I would say Brett Favre. Plus, I wouldn't have a Super Bowl ring if I didn't have teammates like that. Mm. Wow, yes, indeed. And I want to reference that book for people to know the the Leroy Butler story from wheelchair to the Lambo leap. So I want to just go to LeroyButler.com and get it. Uh, it's in yeah. its seventh printing. I mean, yes, Leroy Butler Inc. INC.com. Yep. Yes, sir. And uh, while now, what do you think of Brett saying that Aaron Rodgers would be better off in Chicago? I didn't like that. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't like that. I didn't like that. I didn't say I like everything he say or does. <laughs> you know, in every family, you got a family reunion. Some guys' names on the shirt. Some guys, you hope their name ain't on the shirt. Yep, yep. But everybody. So I do not want to see that. No. I wish he would have said, I want Aaron to do something I didn't do. Don't have no animosity with the team. It's just business. But you don't want to go to a place and play the Packers twice. Yeah. Go well, somewhere but Brett did it with Minnesota. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the one that can speak on it. Because he didn't like Ted Thompson, didn't like Mike McCarthy, because they didn't want, let him want to just do what he wanted to do. To yeah. them, it was business. So he went to the Jets first then with the Minnesota. I can mm-hmm. imagine the pressure, but I think he liked that. Mm-hmm. But I don't think Aaron would be fueled by that. Aaron yeah. like more so like Tom Brady, jump out the division and just kind of start over. Especially mm. if you're going to be close to 40 years old, you need to go out and create a whole other fan base. And if you can get that team for a Super Bowl, that's, that will solidify your legacy. That's absolutely right. And speaking of Aaron, how they drafted Jordan Love out of Utah State in the first round. But it's interesting. They share the same agent, A-Rod and Jordan Love. So that's a, you know, it, it won't be as tense, you know, but, but – but the fact is they didn't get a perimeter player, a wide receiver, where now Devin Funches is opting out because of, you know, un- uh, concerns of COVID and everything. So where do you see the Packers in 2020? Do, will they have enough offensive weapons? Because Devontae Adams has – he's has nicks, you know, some, some injuries here and there, like little nagging injuries. Aaron Jones is not as durable as well. So where do you see the Packers offensively and overall can this team repeat at the top of the NFC North? Well, I think one thing Matt LaFleur has done, he needs to get his people in that building, as did uh, Mike Holmgren. Uh-huh. Mike 
Hoonlam came in, you got his quarterback, you got this guy, that guy. You fit these pieces how you want to do it. And Matt LaFleur wants to run the football, play good defense, and play action, get big plays down. That's pretty much in a nutshell. But to run the football, you got to stop the run. So they're going to try to figure out a way to be really the gold standard of San Francisco. Run the football, take pressure off of the quarterback, and let your defense get enough turnovers to win games. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to they're going to have to score though, and they got to figure out ways to do that. And by not having a top second receiver, you know, people are going to look at that as certain. Well, it was only one team that didn't agree with all the pundits to say this is the best receiving core in 25 years, the Packers. Mm-hmm. They want to see Alan Lazard, see him shine, which I'm a big Alan Lazard guy. Uh, St. Brown, he was on injured reserve last year, 6'4", mm-hmm. runs a 4-4-4-3. You know, MVS, another guy that's a big, strong guy. They like these bigger guys. Even the last two guys that they signed that people really don't know, those guys 6'2", 6'3", they like the bigger receivers so they can pass block or to make the second move off of play action. That's why they took A.J. Dillon. That's mm-hmm. why if you ask them about Josiah, the tight end from Cincinnati, they get yeah. all giddy about it because they like the H-back type thing. So yeah. it may be a boring offense, but they're looking for more big plays. They're like 23rd in the league in explosion plays. So I think they'll catch a lot of teams still because last year they probably – a lot of teams didn't know Matt LaFleur. They didn't know what was going on with that. They had yeah. to go back to Tennessee to look at him. Yeah, but and, and they didn't have an identity. Tennessee's offense didn't really have an identity. Pretty much at the bottom in offense. Mm-hmm. But I think it's going to work because it's going to still catch teams off guard. But at the same time, I think they'll still win 10 games. They're going to be in a fight with Minnesota again to win the, win, you know, win your division. But once you get in – I mean, win the North. But once you get into the entire NFC, it's going to be tough. Because all these other teams improved as well, especially yes. the Cowboys. Oh, Lord, yeah. Oh, Just get an Epson Griffin right there, you know. <laughs> right. So, so you're looking for them to be 10 and 6. And then after that, get into the playoffs, anything can happen. That's right. That's right. That's right. I mean, because you have San Fran, you have Seattle, still Seattle getting Jamal Adams, San Fran defending champs. You know, they're they're still at a great level. Um, Also, oh, yeah. And then Dallas Cowboys improved. And also you have the Saints. Oh, and we've and the Buccaneers, of course, with Tom Brady being added (laughs) as well. So a lot of talent. And then Atlanta played so well at the end of 2019. They're going to be coming back. So you're right, Leroy. It's, It's just stacked. Yeah, so the Tigers got to stay healthy in the COVID-19, make sure every guy is, is doing what they're supposed to do. And I think, again, they'll win 10 games. But Chicago's going to be better on defense. I mean, Detroit is Detroit. All they want to do is throw the ball around. And indoors, and Detroit plays the Packers pretty tough. So mm-hmm. they just got to make sure they stay healthy. Everything else should take care of itself. No doubt. While here with the great Leroy Butler, future Hall of Famer, great four-time all pro safety from the Green Bay Packers, uh, of course, part of the Packers Hall of Fame here on the 31st episode of Where They At. My name is Nabateal. So, Leroy, now, should the NFL consider a bubble? 
because I, you know, it's, it's interesting. The NBA, the NHL has had a lot of success. No, no um, cases, the, everyone, all the players feel safe. And then major league baseball is interesting. The news coming out saying they're considering a bubble for the playoffs actually. So should the NFL consider that and how safe are these players if they do not uh, decide to do a bubble? Well, I think that they've wasted their time on it and they can't do it because they should have did it. They should have thought about it. They should have planned it, yeah. People in May, but they can create their own bubble. But I said that what they could do, what they could have done is go to some of these hotels who were struggling, buy these hotels up, oh. restaurants in and around Green Bay, because everybody's going to be struggling because you can't have fans at training camp. Put your players there and put the families in one. Now you know where they're. At. So you've created your own bubble. You know where they're eating or where they're going. I mean, they're not going to be able to go to clubs. They're not going to be able to go to malls or none of that stuff mm-hmm. for the next four to six months. But now they're going to do it like baseball. So you're going to have some cases because you're going to let guys go home every day and you don't know where the guys' families are going. Right. So they're trying to get into protocols now. What do you do if you have a certain amount of cases? So, yeah, I still think that they still can probably do it if they're doing it now, trying to buy some of these hotels that are not full. Just buy them up. They got the money. Mm-hmm. These restaurants, just buy them up. And for the next six months, you're going to feed my guys. This is what they like. Deliver it. You know, contact, no contact. Leave it there for their families. Do the pool testing every day. Mm-hmm. They're going to do that them to fifth, but do it with their families as well. Bring your families in, let them get tested. Now I know where you're at. Have your family come over and get tested or somebody go to their house to test them. You gotta do that. And I need to test it back, you know, a day or less, 15, 20 minutes. If you're not gonna invest in that, okay, fine. You gotta invest in what's the protocol when a guy gets it. Because you're right. WNBA, NBA has done a wonderful job mm-hmm. of doing that. And I always said that once the NBA is over, they've got a template. People can go down there and and start playing. Mm-hmm. You know, they can build football fields, put down the turf, and have these guys play so they can transition down there and stay down there for the last two months of the season. Mm-hmm. They can do that. Yeah. But- and, and I was thinking like, like uh, maybe a bubble, four different bubbles for eight teams. I was thinking exactly. of that. That's a possibility. They got to do something like that. But they're not going to – they're not. Right. The arrogance of the NFL is like, we're going to do our thing. Who cares about it? But each city, though, all 32 cities can purchase these hotels because they're struggling. These restaurants are struggling. Give them millions of dollars and then to just feed your players or to house your players, and I think it'll work. That is that is outstanding, uh, Leroy. What you're saying, and you should propose that personally to them, <laughs> to Roger Goodell. I'm sure you're in touch with him, you know. <laughs> so he's, he's the kind of guy that listens to outside the box ideas. But it would have been great if they had did it like in April and May. You yeah. Know? But they were trying to get the CBA done, which they got done. So kudos mm-hmm. for them. But at the same time, you got to protect your players because if two or three starting quarterbacks get COVID. It's going to be a bad look. Wow. No, no doubt. And, and Leroy, I want to ask you, going back to Florida State, as the, you know, the program has been 
over the past few years, just very, uh, just very disappointing, lack of excellence, uh, just a lack of foresight, la- lack of leadership. And then now what's going on with, uh, you know, players not trusting the coaching staff and everything. I mean, what is your take on what's going on? And, and do, you, do you feel that they'll even play games uh, this season in the ACC and everything? Well, the, AC, the ACC, I mean, the Big Ten and Pac-12 and all those big powers. Postpone. Mm-hmm. You, you, the reason why I, I like that they postponed it because I'm glad money didn't win out. Everything is mm-hmm. about money. They said if, if everything is shut down, the NCAA is going to lose $4 billion, allegedly. Mm-hmm. I'm glad because you can get more money as long as you're alive. What you can't get is more kids if one of these kids pass away. Yes. A lot of these kids in the um, in the hospital. They waited too long as well because it, we. I just talked about Burt Reynolds Hall. They could have kept all the players in the players' dorm as a bubble, and feed them and have them tested. You know, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, or every day, to make sure they away from the student body, so you can play. But they didn't do that. So, and I don't think I don't think it'll be college football because they don't have the right people to sit down and think about it and put it the right way. So mm-hmm. it, it kind of ran out of time, really. It ran right. In court. Yeah, you get 1,500 people dying a day around the country. Mm-hmm. So you just don't want one of those to be a kid that's in NCAA. Because remember, these are kids in NFL is, is grown men. Totally different. Yeah. And Coach Norvell, what do you think of his start there? Not, not It's rocky so far. Yeah. You know, you know, and he's coming off of a cusp of a young, another young man. But the president Thrasher, who actually also went to lead with me, not at the same time, but wow, he, I think he's gonna put everything in perspective to get the trust back again, because mm-hmm. everybody really don't the the COVID nineteen got everybody not trusting everybody anyway. Yep, but he has to get everybody back together to. Um, this is not Memphis State. You got to get everybody down there, those, all those little minds to making them thinking about FSU mm-hmm. and not about themselves or the coach. And I think they can do that, but you said a key word is trust. See, I trusted Coach Bowden. Mm-hmm. So whatever he told me, I believed it. And, I, and I, sometimes it happened with a new coach. You know, when Mike Holmgren came in, you just had Lenny Infante. It's mm-hmm. a level of trust. Yeah. Be honest with these kids, and they are kids, and I think you'll be fine. But we didn't have social media back then, so um, the guy, I think he could turn it around, but it just don't look good right now. It's just a bad look. Wow, no, that's that's a shame. And 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 your former teammate Deion Sanders, there's controversy about him. He left the NFL Network. What you know that happens, but he went to a, a, a organization, Barstool Sports, which has is contra- controversial in the way they cover sports and and their viewpoints and everything and and Deion yeah, Sanders is getting uh, hit on what's your take on that like what of all the criticism Deion is getting is he the right guy to go in there to turn around mm-hmm. if it's an issue um but I think he should always get his own platform to do his own thing yeah um, but I think he's gonna have to condemn some of these comments that the owner and some of these guys allegedly have said. Otherwise, he may not get the viewership that he wants. And mm-hmm. all he has to do is just, you know, come in and, hey, listen, I don't agree with what's been said. 
but this is the platform I'm going to be in. Your fans will rock with you. But, you know, I'm not trying to get into this cancer culture type stuff. But Dion know what he's getting himself into. So I just wish him well, and I just wish that he would come out and condemn some of the stuff these guys have said, man. This, yep. Otherwise, people are not going to pay attention to it. Yeah. Mm, that's deep. That's deep. And and now on a, on a more positive note, best safety in the NFL right now, currently, who who got who has the belt? Who has the belt as the best safety? Oh, Honey Badger is the man. I mean, Tyron. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's the man. Because he played like me, up, back, cover. I like safeties that can cover. I really do. Mm-hmm. I like safeties that can cover. And to me, he's the goat right now of the young kids up and coming. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of young guys out there. But you're talking about playmaking that can cover. Uh-huh. And this guy cover, hit, and, you know, big plays. And you just want a Super Bowl, too. So <laughs> I'm yes. glad he's in a place that can really excel his talent instead of bouncing all over the place. Mm-hmm. He's in Kansas City with Andy Reid. So, yeah, he's the GOAT. Right and, and I'm so glad he turned his life around. Very unfocused, you know, a lot, lot of distractions. And, and he's become the player that everyone – knows that he could be with without those distractions for sure wow easy being on top but yeah he's on top right now wow now i know you're you're a bucks fan milwaukee bucks fan they're making the finals they're gonna win the championship what's up because they're struggling in the bubble now a dream for me would be the lakers and the bucks Ah. because i grew up a lakers fan my whole life but i live here covering the bucks and i'm a big Giannis fan Uh uh-huh so Giannis and LeBron James. Oh my goodness! Platinum. And I'm so upset about Chris Middleton, my brother Chris Middleton. Uh, we share the same birthday, August 12th, actually. Oh, nice. uh, Chris Middleton. Yeah, and and I, I'm I'm bummed that he didn't get that 50, 40, 90. Oh, he no, he was five for 13 in his last game. Ah. Yeah, I sent him a message that you can just start another streak. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Well, yeah. so now, sir, I'm, before we go, no huddle. I'm, I'm going to do a segment, a segment with you called the no huddle segment. And okay. if you were a baseball player, be hit and run. If you're a basketball player, be fast break. If you're a tennis player, be serving volley. So it's just rapid fire questions for you okay. and everything. And, uh, and they're, they're random, too. So you never know where I'm going to go. All right. <laughs> so here we go. Now, most underrated player you played with or against during your career, the player that does not get the recognition he deserves? Herman Moore. Herman mm. Herman yes. Moore caught a hundred passes when it meant something. And he's the one jersey that's on my wall that's not a Packer player. He's the only guy. Wow. Yeah. So that's killing. And he went to UVA, rival of Florida State, too. <laughs> nice guy, man. Nice. Wow. Awesome answer. Yeah, he's very, very overlooked. Um, now most eccentric teammate. <laughs> oh, I got a bunch of those. Uh I'd say Wayne Simmons. Okay. I'd say Wayne Simmons because you need a Wayne Simmons on your team. You just do. Uh, a guy that can make you laugh at any time, a guy that will protect you at any time, or a guy that will really – put it this way. If you're in a car with Wayne and you're, doing, and you're riding dirty, Wayne will say, give it to me, I'll take it for you. <laughs> That's the guy. So, Peter Wayne Simmons, man, that guy was amazing. Uh-huh. Wow. Yes, indeed. No, he was unique, man, for sure. Now, win or lose, 
the most exciting game you were a part of, the game that almost that almost gave you a heart attack? <laughs> Ooh, uh, let's see. I, you know what? I would say the Super Bowl because at one point New England was winning, and my heart was just like, we waited thirty years for this. Reggie <laughs> White got those two sacks, and Favre hit Antonio Freeman, and your Ooh. boy got sacked. It turned it around. It turned it around, but. If I had to do another one, it had to be the first time we were going to the playoffs. We were playing Pittsburgh in the snow. And Yancey Thigpen, who was a nice guy, if he catches that, we're out. But he dropped it because it was snowing real bad, icy, and we were able to go to the playoffs. So another guy's demise was another guy's treasure in a way. Mm -hmm. i never forget that. That was a big transition going into the playoffs. Wow. Now, the quarterback that you had to overly prepare for, that quarterback that you're like, oh, God. We Steve, get Young. Steve Young. Oh, mm-hmm. Steve Young was probably – he'll probably go down as one of the smartest, if not the smartest guy to ever play. And mm-hmm. I'm not talking about – I'm including all the guys who went to Harvard. Ever, this guy was smart. He was, yeah. he was brilliant. I worked with him at the Full Letter Network back when, we first, when I first retired. Mm-hmm. He just If you ever talk to him – He's just a smart, smart. Two, two of the smartest guys I've ever talked to was him and Matt Hasselback. Uh huh. Yep. Matt Hasselback should be a scientist. This mm. guy, he's just brilliant, and a lot of people don't even know it. So yeah. Those two of the smartest people that football wise that I've ever talked to, and you notice they're quarterback. Yeah. Of course, of course. Too bad Matt uh, made that prediction that uh, they were going to go right down to score that touchdown uh, against your Packers. It was after you retired. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now, the music artists and or songs you listen to to get you amped for a game. Ooh, back then, uh, I used to listen to a lot of Run DMC. Ah, yes. A lot of run DMC. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can just pick whatever, and we have that blast. In the, That's in right. The- Raising hell. Raising hell, all that. Yep. <laughs> to get us going. You can really get us going. Wow. Now, the one film you never get tired of watching that you can watch every single day. Uh, well, my favorite movie of all time is Forrest Gump. Of course. It relates to, it relates to you physically. <laughs> yep. Yes, I watched Forrest Gump quite a bit. Tom Hanks is one of my all-time favorites. Mm. But I watch uh, Black Hawk Down a lot because I love the military. My current uh, favorite actor is Jamie Foxx. Okay. Great, probably six times a month. Ah, yes, yes. I just think uh, Jamie Foxx, I never met him. I would love to meet him. He is truly uh, just... A, a, a true gem. I mean, God mm-hmm. made a person. God sing, dance, act. Yeah, yeah. plays piano. Yeah. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. He looked. His daughter loves him. He looks. I mean, he's a great father. Jamie Foxx is everything that every African American should strive to be. The guy is truly, truly amazing. So that's one of the guys that I wish I could meet one day because. And let him know he's one of my favorite actors and singers. I mean, the guys. Wow. Now, he wow. had this favorite song. I met my my wife 
unpredictable. That's her uh huh. That's right. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. And 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 he was a quarterback in Texas and yeah. any given Sunday that movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the don't get the credit. He did win an Oscar for Ray. Mm -hmm. The guys. And, and Collateral, he was nominated the same year for another for supporting actor for Collateral. That performance is underrated. Yep. So. And Will Smith are like my two biggest ones, but I would uh. say, you know, if I had to rank them. You know Tom Hanks because he's he's been around. He's the goat, but you know uh, Jamie Foxx and Will Smith, man. I watch more of their movies than anywhere streaming anywhere I watch them. Yeah, that's great. Wow. And and last one, the one person dead or alive that you would break bread with? Barack Obama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I never met be Barack Obama, dog. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I love to have a conversation with those two. Yes, yes, yeah. Barack and Michelle. Yes, podcast. I told her podcast should be this my mo. Like, <laughs> and I, know, I love to talk to um, Barack Obama. He's a busy guy, but oh no, yeah. but he knows who you are because you 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 terrorize his bears many times. You know, <laughs> exactly. yeah, I'd even pay if we went out. I'd even pay for that. Yeah. Wow, and and I had the honor to meet them both because as a musician, I played at the La the Ray Charles tribute at the White House. Like I performed there. It was the, my wow, th to such an honor, you know, definitely. And they they're down down to earth people, that's for sure. Wow. So before I let you go, sir, Mount Rushmore for Green Bay. Your Mount Rushmore for Green Bay Packers. You can include yourself and your Mount Rushmore for Florida State football. So separately. <laughs> Well, Dion, duh. <laughs> um, Ron Simmons. Oh, yep, yep. That's uh, right. Not the wrestler, Ron. When he before he was a wrestler, he was yes, yeah, so, outstanding linebacker. Um, let's go. This is tough. Why you got here? <laughs> um, Coach Bowden. You got to put Coach Bowden. Okay. Let's go players. Do you want players or anybody? Oh, that's a good. You know, play, players, players, players. Okay, because I would put down on that. Okay, so Dion, Ron Simmons, um, Terrell Buckley just has to Ooh, be. Yeah, I mean, T Buck was amazing yeah, there. Truly mm -hmm. amazing. Um, and the last one, ooh, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go outside the box. I'm gonna go Burt Reynolds because Burt Reynolds got a Burt Reynolds Hall. <laughs> Ha, that's right. That's right. Always rep Florida State. Yeah. And he follows these all white uniforms. <laughs> to Burt Reynolds. So that's yes. my fresh mark. Three defensive guys and the best actor of all time. <laughs> no <laughs> doubt. No doubt. <laughs> and then and then before you go, Green Bay. Green Bay Packers. Top four. Oh. Well, <laughs> Ooh, that's <laughs> well, Bart Starr. Uh-huh. Um Ooh, Jared Kramer. Yes. Uh, Willie Davis. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so I like to go different. Um, and ooh, Don Hudson. Oh, yep. 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 The second greatest receiver ever behind yep. Jerry. Yeah, Definitely. no question. Yep. Yep. 
Well, Mr. Leroy Butler, well, I have to say one of the most entertaining interviews and, and, and the knowledge, the wisdom, the, your, your sense of humor, like your stories, everything. Like it was such an honor and, and, and a privilege to talk with you and, and so great to, to really get those stories that really mean a lot to you and that really motivated you. I appreciate it. But again, we're going to do this. We're going to do a part two when I get in the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Absolutely. I'll be there. (laughs) I can't wait. Brother, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you all for listening to the 31st episode of Where They At with the great Leroy Butler. Wow, like I mentioned to him earlier, just such a pleasure to, to get his wisdom and, and, his, and his knowledge and, and the great sense of humor. What a funny individual and just very, very gracious. And as I mentioned before, he and Deion Sanders were the reason why I became a Florida State football fan for sure. The swag that they had was incredible. And, and of course, they, they were responsible for making Florida State a dynasty for a long time and and great to talk with Mr. Butler. Also, if you want to listen to other episodes, past episodes, the other 30 episodes of of where they at, you can go on Google Play. You could go on Spotify. You can go on Apple Podcasts. You can go on Google Podcasts. You can go on iHeartRadio. You can go on Stitcher. Make sure to subscribe and or follow as well as rate. You know, that'll really help me out. And I thank all of you for your support as the numbers and, and the downloads are going up and it's great. And I thank you all for checking it out and, and showing the love. And if you like the music that you hear right now, go to my website, N-A-B-A-T-E-I-S-L-E com. that's nabateals.com and you hear tracks from my album Eclectic Excursions and definitely you can go on the website to hear tracks and go to any digital music platform to download it Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Google Play Amazon, Tidal you can go on any of those platforms to download the album as well my podcast streams on Catropolis Radio Network every Monday night at 8pm and you can hear all the episodes of where they at via Catropolis Radio Network as well. Catropolis is spelled C-A-S-T-R-O-P-O-L-I-S. My name is Nabateos. Thank you all for listening. Be safe, be blessed, stay woke, and remember always that Black Lives Matter. God bless. Mm-hmm.